Back to Exodus chapter 32. We've been going through the wanderings of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And it's likened to a person that's become a Christian, come out of Egypt, out of the world, and is now walking by faith in the Lord Jesus. And this group of people had real problems. (laughs) And there's another sermon I preached some time back many years ago about first generation stall how the first generation often will stall and the second generation won't continue in the faith which is real sad and we've seen that in 45 years of ministry where the second people get saved out of the world they come out of Egypt as it were and then they get stuck in the sand of the desert <laughs> and they don't go forward in their Christian life and the second generation don't even enter into the promises of God and we need to be careful that that doesn't happen to us if we're a second-generation Christian. Our mum and dad believed, do we believe? And so those who are listening, young people, keep going. <laughs> yes, we're going we're to die one day, we're going to push up daisies. <laughs> we're growing old. And these are young people to come on and keep going forward in, in their faith and grow in the Lord. And this is what this generation, all of them, had to die in the wilderness because of the disobedience, except for two men that were obedient. Who were they? Joshua and Caleb, the only two men. And at 80 years old, he was going, I want that mountain, (laughs) the mountain that he saw when he went to spy out the land. He said, I want that mountain. And Joshua said, go get it. And at 80, he was fighting. (laughs) And he was as fit as a young man, it says, along with Joshua. Praise the Lord for the faithful people that in the second generation that keep going. So we've seen in the fearfulness of the people when Pharaoh approached them with his army at the Red Sea and God opened the way. We've seen the manna from heaven provided. They griped about that and then God provided manna. Then they griped twice about the drink at Mara and Rephidim. And now we look at their spiritual idolatry. This is only a month and a half after they've left Egypt, only a month and a half, they're starting to complain and to grope. You know, usually the honeymoon for a, a new believer is about 18 months, where they really grow and it's all new and it's great. But these people only lasted a month and a half, and they were complaining about all the provisions that God had given them. I mean, what would you do if you'd seen 10 plagues on Egypt? <laughs> you'd say, wow. <laughs> God is at work here. Saw the Red Sea opened and walked through, down in and out again. And then the water made better, the bitter water. We would say, God is amongst us. But here they turn back to the gods that they'd known in Egypt and start worshipping them. Well, let's move on because we've looked at the argument of the people to Aaron. We've already seen the agreement of the priest, Aaron, to, to do what they wanted. We've looked at the apostasy of the people and the anger of the Lord. And we've seen the advocacy of Moses. (laughs) Moses debated with deity, and I I like the thought in that verse there where he besought the Lord in verse 11 and verse 12. Moses appealed on the basis of the foes. The Egyptians will say, look, God couldn't even keep him for a month and a half on on the right track. And Moses also pled with the Lord because of the friends 
Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and the covenants you made with them. You can't break those covenants. These were unconditional covenants. These were covenants that you swore by your own name when you made them with Israel. And God walked between the pieces of the sacrifice as they <coughs> authenticated the covenant together, put Moses in a deep sleep, and God walked between the pieces. It's an unconditional covenant. God will keep the covenant with Israel. Have a look in the Middle East. <laughs> What's going over on over there is very interesting. And um, <clears throat> as I read today of an old preacher of about 150 years ago, he said, keep the newspaper in one hand. Well, let's put the Bible first. The Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other and just ha see how God is working. And we see that. We're privileged to be able to see that today. And Moses advocated for these people <clears throat> when the Lord's anger waxed hot against them. Let's uh, just commit the, the remaining these verses to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it gives us pointers from these examples of past years, thousands of years ago. People haven't changed. You haven't changed, Lord, and people still <clears throat> fight against the, the will of God in their lives. And I pray that we would not, but we would do it, even though it seems hard. Bless the people that are here today. Bless the people that are tuned in and listening on the web. May our hearts be enriched today in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now we go on to see the anger of Moses. Well, in verse 15, as John read that, there he, he had the, the commandments of God, the Ten Commandments, engraved by the hand of God. And in verse 17, when Joshua heard the noise of the people, as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it's not the voice of them that do shout for mastery, neither the voice of them who cry for being overcome, but the noise of them who do sing do I hear. And that you can parallel with verse 6. They um, <clears throat> had peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And that's the same word to sport. And that's the same word that was used of... Isaac, Rebecca, when the Philistine leader said, you're married to her, she's not your sister, you're sporting with her. <laughs> well, they were carousing, <laughs> caressing, sorry. They were <laughs> having, and hey, they're around the corner doing this. They shouldn't be doing that, they're brother and sister. And this is what they were doing. They were doing this in the camp of God. So this had become, as I mentioned last time, a mosh pit type of scenario where they were all wound up with their music and then they started doing these wicked things and it's all connected with idolatry. This is that they hadn't got rid of yet. They hadn't trusted in the Lord. And so <clears throat> we see Moses is very upset. came to pass in verse 19... That as he came nigh to the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses' anger waxed hot. First of all, God waxed hot, <laughs> it said in the earlier verses. Now, and, and, and Moses said, calm down, Lord, you know, why are you so angry with them? <laughs> and then when Moses actually saw it, he got hot too, <laughs> a bit hot under the collar <laughs> for what they were doing and they shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> So he's, he waxed hot and he cast the tables of stone out of his hand, broke them beneath the mount, and he took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire, 
and ground it to powder and strode it upon the water and made the children of Israel to drink of it. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people to thee? But those verses in verse 19 to 20 broke the commandments, destroyed the calf and praised God for a person like that. Now remember when Moses came down from the mount on the, I think, the second occasion that as the people looked upon him, what did he look like? Like Like a light bulb. He shone and he had a veil on his face. And so when he got up and said to this people, they're all doing this dancing and they're committing gross idolatry. When he started getting onto their case, they, they listened. But Joshua was there with him. But they stood against the whole multitude. Word to God, there were people around today that would stand against what the people are saying we want in churches. Would to God they'd stand up and say, this is what the word of God says. Moses did <clears throat> on this occasion here with with Joshua. And uh, in Judges 6, Gideon did. In Acts chapter 4, there in verses 8 to 13, Peter before the Sanhedrin, they're, they're whited sepulchres, they're wicked, and he just lashed into them. And they just crucified the Lord Jesus, and now he's taking, <laughs> taken to them. And he could have been, and they would have taken him and killed him. They put him in prison. But there in, and we haven't time to turn to those verses, but Acts 4, 8 to 13 and 19 to 20, where Peter before the Sanhedrin, like Moses and Joshua before the people, stood up and counted for the truth of God. It's like Paul <clears throat> before the church at Antioch, where Peter the apostle had turned up and was eating and, and then he saw the Jews coming from Jerusalem and he separated himself sensually, having not the spirit, it wasn't of God. And Paul said before them all, what are you doing? What are you doing? Now it takes a man to stand up and speak up for the truth of God. And this is what Moses, as his anger burned, waxed hot righteous indignation. I remember two men closely related to me on a construction site. We were building a dam for Melbourne's water supply. We had six bulldozers on the job. And um, they wanted us to join the union. We said, no, we're not into that stuff. They sacked us, six bulldozers. But then they come up with an agreement. You pay a, a bush nursing hospital the same amount and we'll give you a ticket. And that's your ticket. Anyway, they got onto the, as it were, the union. <coughs> and they said, now we're allowed to have our say, are we? <laughs> Had a union meeting, 300 to 350 men. And these, these men stood up and let them have it with the gospel. <laughs> now, the boldest, boldest lions. And nobody got up and told them to sit down and be quiet. <laughs> but that was, that was a few years ago. That was about 50 years ago. But it was noised about. You know, are we bold enough? Like Moses, like um, <clears throat> Gideon, like Peter, like Paul, on different occasions. Does righteous indignation take us over when we see something that is t- completely ungodly happening in our society? I pray that it does, that we're convicted about this. This is not right. The excuse of Aaron is given in verse 21. 
and 20, down to 25. And, and Moses said to Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. <clears throat> he blamed the people. You know what happened back in the Garden of Eden? What did Adam and Eve do when God said, What have you done? Blame somebody else. Don't we do that when we sin? Let's blame somebody else. Let's shift the blame. God won't have that. Nor the man of God here called Moses. This sounds much like when Saul confronted, was confronted by Samuel. When he brought all the animals back that he is supposed to have killed in 1 Samuel 15. And Samuel said, what meaneth then the bleating of the sheep and the lowing of the cows? And he said, Saul said, the people did it. They did it for sacrifice, a righteous... <laughs> and Samuel said, this day is the kingdom departed from you because you have not obeyed the word of the Lord. And here Aaron's up with some excuses. <clears throat> Obedience is better than sacrifice and to obey than the fat of rams. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, said Samuel to Saul that day. And folks, we need to obey them that God has put in authority in our lives. And that can be, as Ephesians 6 talks about, parents with children, employers and employees, a church, church leadership, following hard after the Lord. But let's not make excuses and say, well, they made it. You know, when we do that, we're in trouble. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> trying to shift the blame, trying to excuse our sin on somebody else. There are consequences to this. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, we read, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip these people, this generation in Moses' day had heard, had seen the acts of Almighty God. But they were letting them slip. <clears throat> and Hebrews is written to Jewish people. For if the words spoken by angels are steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. How shall we, this is talking to Christians, how shall we escape if we neglect it? We look at that and say, oh, that's talking about non-Christians. If we don't get saved. No, it's talking to Christians. We neglect our salvation. We neglect being obedient to the Lord. We do what these people did and try to shift the blame. What Saul tried to do and shift the blame. But God won't have that. How can we escape? You know, we don't grow as Christians and as we ought to grow if we're not doing what God wants us to do and we know his will and don't, don't do it. This is sin. If we know to do good and do it not, to him it is sin, says the book of James. <clears throat> well, in chapter 4 of Hebrews, it also speaks again. And verses 1 and following. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left to us of entering into his rest, any of us should seem to come short of it. You see, if we neglect our salvation, we're coming short 
of the rest that's promised even in this life and of the blessings that God will bestow upon us. Uh, We don't get what God is going to give and plans to give because we don't do what we should do. (laughs) Let's not make excuses for ourselves and for others. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35 And the writer of Hebrews is certainly nailing them down. (laughs) Nailing their shoes to the floor, as it were. (laughs) Chapter 10, verse 35, we read written there, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For we have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. Not far away, is it? (laughs) And will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, that's what this generation was doing in Moses' day. They were, let's go back to Egypt, draw back, go back to the world. My soul shall have no pleasure in him. I don't believe we can lose our salvation, but we can certainly lose the blessing of our salvation. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul, we're going forward, we're reaching out, we're pressing toward the mark that we ought to be. Don't have over our lives rejected. First Corinthians chapter 9, Paul spoke there about being disqualified in verse 27. Disqualified. Yeah, we will turn to that one. First Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. There's there's many things I'd like to do, but I'm not going to do them. They're not necessarily wrong. But I don't do them, so I might do God's will. Lest by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a what? A castaway. We think of a castaway as a person in a ship lost on an island. Well, here he's talking about a Christian. And Paul himself said, I could be a castaway. Christians can become castaways by doing what these in the desert did. They were, as someone said, sandals in the sand. Well, they were bogged down in the sand. And this was like quicksand to them. The sin was dragging them under. Let's not do that. And let's not be a castaway. Let's not be put on the shelf where the Lord doesn't use us as he could have used us. I've heard people in their old age give a sad testimony that <clears throat> at least two men, the Lord called me to be a pastor and I didn't heed the call. And they're old and it's too late. They missed the calling that God was on their life. And, and that's sad, isn't it? Let's not mix, miss what God wants to have to come to pass in our life. We see the thirdly the acclamation of Moses in verse 26 back in Exodus. Move on. And verse 26. And Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? <laughs> Let him come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And we see they put their swords on. They went amongst the people. And how many people died? 3,000 men, probably 3,000 fathers, lost their lives. Lots of children without dads. But here, Moses made an acclamation, who is on 
the Lord's side. Like Gideon, he blew a trumpet. Who's on the Lord's side? Who wants to fight? Come on. <laughs> Come out from hiding. Moses, we say this is the, the old saying of drawing a line in the sand. Drawing a line in the sand. This is it. You're on this side or you're on that side. <laughs> and God wants us to draw that line in the sand. Cut the ties. Don't compromise anymore. Consecrate yourself to God and he will bestow the blessing. Quit ye like men, Paul said. Be strong in the Lord. Watch, stand fast in him. Can you imagine what the leaders of today's churches might say? Some of the leaders, not all of them. (laughs) Might have said to Moses if they were present. Moses, cool down. You've been hot under the collar here. Let's dialogue. Let's talk about this. Wait a minute. If God says it and he means it, that's it. There's no dialogue about what God has said. And this is what Moses is doing. No dialogue here. And I don't know if he's still glowing, having come down from the presence of God. Let's talk about it. <clears throat> Don't be so separatist. Don't be so fundamental. Soften your lion. <laughs> be loving. Love and truth go together, remember. <laughs> Let's reach an amicable agreement. But what does God say? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. <clears throat> just let me, don't turn to these, but let me just give a few. Paul said to to the Galatians in chapter 1 and verse 18, If any preach any other gospel than what I have given unto you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. And and he was talking to the Galatians to which he had testified. And he, he said to them, You would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. What's happened to that blessedness? They'd gone back. Uh, <clears throat> refuse profane and old wives' fables. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. You know where a lot of old wives' fables are coming from these days? Computers. <laughs> Internets. <laughs> you don't know who they are, where they're coming from, what their background is, and they're selling themselves. <laughs> Be careful. You know, I, I believe in doing a diet now and then and that and, and eating the right food, but a lot of that might come from Seventh-day Adventists. I had a lot to do with them. I was born in their hospital, but I wasn't one. I wasn't one of them. The Queen came and visited me on the day I was born in the, in the Warburton Hospital because she opened it <laughs> that when she'd just become Queen, 54. But... <clears throat> You know, we have to be careful of what we believe. The fake news thing is is on. It's big time. It's all around. So be careful what you tune into and what you believe and check it out if it's Bible or not. Be sure of that. Anyway, I could go on there. I thought I only mentioned these. From such turn away. What does turn away mean? The other way. If somebody, 2 Timothy 3 verse 5, Titus 3 verse 10, reject an heretic. Whoa, (laughs) wait a minute, what's a heretic? A heretic is a Christian 
who after a first and second admonition will not take heed to the word of God, it says reject. These things aren't taught in churches today. In 1 Peter 4, 4, run not with them. In <clears throat> Ephesians 5, 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. The Bible is, says it everywhere. And God's word acclaims this as Moses acclaimed to the people. Draw the line in the sand. Come with us to the Lord and follow him and follow hard after him. Hear him say when, he, when you stand before him, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. <clears throat> Come out from among them, 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Draw the line in the sand. Withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. And Second Thessalonians 3.14. Note that man and have no company with him. And, uh, and, and this, this verse is talking about those that don't work, are able to work, and they were doing this in Thessalonica back in those days, and they were depending on others. Note that man and have no fellowship with him. And it doesn't say that he's not a Christian, it infers that he is. Talk to that person and encourage them to get to work. Put their hand to the plough. And with what's happened in our country, the billions of dollars that has been dispersed around, it's going to make it... And I've heard already from some of you that people who had jobs and they got onto this job keeper or whatever it is and... Uh, They've been offered the job back and said, no, don't need to. I'm doing fine now. And it's trained a lot of people not to put their hand to the plough. And it's not right. <clears throat> we shouldn't be dependent on the government. You know, if any provide not for his own house, it didn't say if any government provides not for his own house. <laughs> it says if anybody doesn't provide for his own house, he's worse than an infidel. That's what the Bible says. It's in the scripture. You know, you can shoot me, but I'm just saying what the Bible says. Have no company with that person. Draw the line in the sand. Come on, over this side. Who's on the Lord's side? Not to keep company with those that are called fornicators or other mentions in of different sins in 1 Corinthians 5.11. Run not with them. 1 Peter 4.14. Receive him not into your house. That was 2 John, verse 7 to 10, where John got on. The old apostle that got these people saved, that fellow had come into the church, taken it over, named Diotrephes. And, and John, he said, John's not allowed in this church. John started the church <laughs> and he's going to put him out and put out anybody that, that said, no, John's right. <laughs> wow, there are some people like that that are around. Moses makes atonement <clears throat> Moses makes atonement let's go back to chapter 32 of Exodus this is a wonderful chapter and as you know this is the third sermon just from this portion of scripture 32 and verse 30 came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto, it, unto the people ye have sinned a great sin and now I will go up unto the Lord Peradventure I shall make atonement for your sins. So Moses makes atonement for the sins of the people. 
Aren't you glad we've got a good God, a gracious God, a loving God, a merciful God? These people, God said, let me burn them up. Moses said, no, why are you so mad with them? Then Moses got angry. And now he starts pleading for them. Lord, don't do that to the people. They're your people. They're your chosen people. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Jacob? Remember the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, the Palestinian covenant and the uh, new covenant, all unconditional covenants. You made that promise, you've got to keep it. Wow, Moses is pretty bold to do that and say that to the Lord, but he did. And here he's making a standing between the gap. He, he's a daysman, as it says in Scripture, <clears throat> one that stands between God and the people. Listen to what Romans 5 verse 10 and 11 say. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Moses offered an offering for their atonement, that they might be reconciled with God. Jesus Christ has been offered as the atonement for our sin to pay for our sin. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so praise God that he is merciful, he is patient, he is long-suffering with his people. If God wasn't long-suffering, would any of us still be alive? No, no way. (laughs) It'd all be gone. Have we sinned this week? Probably. (laughs) That's it. Has the pastor sinned this week? Yeah. But I don't have to go to a priest. Hey, the poor priest that has to hear all that, (laughs) all those confessions all the time. And he knows in his own heart he's a crook. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I just get so used to it. We've got folks that are called the crooks. (laughs) He's he's a rascal, (laughs) not a crook. (laughs) But he knows in his own heart that he's a sinner. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I like First John, a wonderful passion passage, that first chapter of First John. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because Christ has made atonement for our sin. He's paid the price and we're forgiven of our sins. Wonderful thing to know, a blessing to have in our life. <clears throat> And in 1 John 2, 1, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation. God is satisfied. That, it, that means propitiation. That word there, God is satisfied with his sacrifice. He is, he is the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. That does away the Calvinism. Because Christ died for everybody, not just a selected few, 
for the sins of the whole world. Everybody has the possibility of being saved and having their sins atoned for. These people in the desert, praise God for a leader like Moses, that is long-suffering along with God, that made atonement for their souls. And then verse 31 and 32, we see Moses arbitrates or his advocacy on their behalf. And we're going to cover this in a sermon, Lord willing, next week. Just these few verses. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned. (laughs) Do you think God already knew? Yeah. A great sin. A great sin. And we've all sinned. How, How many sins does it take for us to commit for us to be assigned to eternal punishment in hell? One. So there's no way of working our way there. We sinned even before we knew we were sinning, even in innocence. We've sinned willingly. You know, <clears throat> premeditated murder is, is bad. Manslaughter is where you don't intend to murder. And we don't intend to sin, but we do sin. We sin in ignorance sometimes. We don't even know we're sinning. Before we knew the law of God, we were like that. And, and so we have sinned, a great sin against God. And, and God cannot have sin or sinners in his presence. Praise God that he, he, Moses is arbitrating and making advocacy for the people and have made them as gods, made gods of gold. Fancy doing that when they've seen the wonderful hand of God in their midst. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Would you say that? Blot me out of your book. I'm not going to heaven. I'm willing to go to eternal punishment if you'll save all them. That's the heart of the Lord Jesus, isn't it? That's what he thinks. And he offered himself. And Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. And so we'll look at that further next week. Moses' advocacy and arbitration. And we'll be looking at the books of God. I know I preached it, I don't know how long ago, but it's a good study to look at because God keeps the books he's a he's like an accountant not a bean counter what do they call them bean counters i think <laughs> but he keeps the records I don't, are you like that do you keep a record of life what goes on no anybody keep a diary <laughs> nobody keeps a diary <laughs> okay uh, tony you keep that thing on your phone what is that called oh no that's for appointments isn't it not a diary for past. A journal. A journal. A journal. <clears throat> I think it's good, you know. I know at pastors' retreats and pastors' conferences sometimes they, they go through <clears throat> time management and they say it's a wise thing to keep a journal. I started doing it when I did a job. I was about 17 years old. I did a job for a man and then he said, no, you didn't work that day. Oh, I did work that day. I mean, the whole day with the bulldozer. I did work that day. No, you didn't. All right. I'm going to keep a journal of exactly when I start, when I finish. I take off lunch, don't add that to the bill, and, and, and when I knocked off. And if I talk for them and look around the job, I take that off too. But, you see, 
keeping a journal. God is meticulous. If he didn't keep a journal, he'd forget where the stars were. No, no, he wouldn't. (laughs) Because he is God. But for our sakes, he keeps the books. He keeps the books. Let's leave that for next week. (laughs) And let's look at the last point for this morning. And that's found in the thought. And the Lord's acquittal in these verses here. Whosoever sinned against me, him will I blot out. Verse 34. Therefore, go now and lead the people unto the place which I have spoken unto thee. Where was that? Canaan. Behold, you see, Kadesh Barnea hasn't happened yet. The ten spies haven't gone into the land. This is only a month and a half into their journey. So he said, take them off, lead them on, lead them forth. As I spoke unto thee, behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord knew what was going to happen. (laughs) He knew that their sin would be visited upon them. He knew that all these people, 40, 20 and up, would die in the wilderness. When the Lord, when we trust the Lord Jesus as our Saviour, how many of our sins are forgiven? All. Past? Also, do you have to, do you have to go through and uh, what did I do in 1970? <laughs> no, you've forgotten unless you keep a journal. <laughs> but you can't remember. The Lord forgives all that. What about present? Does the Lord forgive us of our sins? What about the future? Does he know where we will sin? Yes. They're all forgiven. They're all under the blood. But he does require us or beseech us as Christians, if we sin, to confess our sin. And that's in 1 John chapter 1. To get right with him and to keep short accounts of when we do sin. But if we sin as a Christian... If we sin as a non-Christian, what can continue in our lives as a result of that sin? The consequences. God doesn't necessarily change the consequences of our sin. He forgives us of our sin, but the consequences go on right through our life. For instance, David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, were there consequences? Did God forgive him? Yeah. It's in Psalm 51. God clearly forgave him, but the consequences of trouble in his house plagued him to the day of his death. Remember, as an old man, he was chased by that fellow. can't remember his name. <clears throat> and he had to leave Jerusalem along with some loyal folks. And um, Absalom and others had declared, as it were, war on him. But the consequences of doing the wrong thing, remember that. When we go to sin, and the more that you know what is right, you are more guilty and the consequences can be heavier. And it's the same with our children in the discipline. If they knew that they were told directly not to do that, the consequences are more severe. But for those who do it in ignorance, they're less severe. That that, that happens in, in... with God and and people, uh, nations even, like Australia or America or England, have they had the gospel preached unto them? 
over and over. They've sent out thousands and thousands of missionaries around the world. America has almost fallen apart at the seams. It's self-destructing. It's a consequence of continual sin. And Australia is not going to be far behind it. It's sad to see that those who have had so many blessings have turned away so severely from God and will promote the evolution and all the other things that they go that goes with that. Well, <clears throat> the Lord gives them acquittal, but the consequences can't be changed. I'll visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron had made. That's the plague among the people. <clears throat> the Lord acquits. Go to chapter 34 and verses 6 and 7 of Exodus. And we read there. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and who will by no means clear the guilt, by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and the fourth generation. You know, we don't sin in a vacuum. When we sin, consequences can go on and on and on. And as I started with, somebody needs to break the cycle. Someone needs to step over the line and, and come out. And who is on the Lord's side? And stand up for him. Break off thy sins by righteousness, said Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4.27. Don't presume upon God's goodness, his grace and his mercy. God forbid that we do that. We know that we shouldn't. Let's not do it. Because the consequences can go on and on. Separate, come out from among them. These are lessons we can learn from chapter 32 of Exodus. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Don't compromise with those that fraternise with the enemy. What do we call that? Double agent or something, doesn't it? You fraternise with the enemy and you become a double agent. <laughs> don't, don't be a double agent. <laughs> Either for God or not, <laughs> make him your Lord. Hey, in a, month, in a month, two, we might all be with the Lord. <laughs> hey, then it'll be, <laughs> I should have, I should have. Why didn't I? Why didn't I? <laughs> Time is passing from us all. <clears throat> Let's don't avoid those that don't. Do the right thing. Romans sixteen seventeen. There's a whole list there mentioned. Don't love to have it so. Well, Aaron went along with us. The leader went along, along with us. Listen, if the leader's wrong, he's wrong and something needs to be said. <laughs> yes, we're forgiven of our sins when we confess them. But the consequences go on. And it did for these people. <clears throat> Remember, they got into the land. They conquered Jericho. And uh, I, 
memory lapse with the fellow that took the gold, the Babylonian's garment, and the wedge, yeah, the wedge of gold, and the three took three things. It still hadn't gone out of his system. It had been passed on. <clears throat> Maybe he'd seen Dad do it in the desert, sneak into someone and steal something. <laughs> I don't know. But he, the consequences come upon him. Let's do what God wants. Let's do what is pleasing to him. Let's come out. This chapter on idolatry, the spiritual adultery, idolatry and adultery that happened to Israel is a great lesson for us today, especially in the day of compromise in which we live, a day when the church has become the Laodicean church, a church that is rich and increased with goods and, well, we've not even need of God. And God has written over their church door, what's the saying? Ichabog, Ichabog. He wrote it over Jerusalem when his glory departed. My glory is departed. Let's be a people that love God, obey his word. Yes, there are jots and tittles in his word that we need to obey. Let's not say, well, I can just do it a little bit like this or a little bit like that. You see, I was born in a family and we have family everywhere. Just the Emerson family from the Mallee. There was 500 gathered there once in a bit of a family reunion, all farmers. Chris, (laughs) farmers from all over the place in Western Australia through. I don't know hardly any of them. They're around here. I think there's one in Wodonga in the council. And we spread out. But all those relatives had the same opportunity I had to obey the word. Very few are walking. It's sad, very few are walking with the Lord. Why? Because they compromised just a little. And the next generation, a little more. And then the gate, the floodgates are open. And right back into the world, back into Egypt, back into the way they used to live. And you know what I've found? When people do that, when they walk away from the Lord, they do things that even people who have never been saved don't do. They go deeper into sin and further away and they become aggro against Christians within the family circle. And they'll hand out books like The God Delusion to my nieces and nephews. Here, read this. Don't believe in that God. And they actually preach the other side. You know, there's danger in fraternising with the enemy and with making a golden calf when you know what God has done for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful blessing of your forgiveness when we have sinned. Let's do what those of old said, Lord, I have sinned. Do what David did, Lord, I have sinned. And confess it and get right Get on the path away again and, and don't expect no consequences because we have sinned. Thank you for bearing our sin in your own body on the tree and that we will not have to pay for that. And we are your children forever. Bless us as we go our way, Lord. Let's go back and read this chapter again and be blessed by it.
We pray and ask and give thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen.